Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. The 10 risks that could crash the market in 2023. The media's out trying to scare everybody. And then we've got, and the market's up huge today. Then we've got sequence of returns. We're going to touch on that again, because now they're rolling that out. Mm. They're rolling that. We've been talking about it for a couple years now, but they're rolling that out. And Fidelity is now offering free crypto trades. No. With the 1% fee on the total (laughs) amount. What? Then how is that free? And free. boy, that didn't age well. Crypto and trades. we're going to talk about the crypto crash, and it is a crash. Michael and I were just talking about that before the show. We're going to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, right. And now 403Bs can apply for the same tax-favored status as 401Ks. Oh, okay. I thought they already could, but we'll touch on that if we have time. Sure. A little update on the wash sale rules. Gift and estate increases. And estate planning. Just a few little tidbits. But first, we got to give the disclaimer, folks. And then we'll get to these crazy markets. Folks, this podcast, Your Money Radio, is for your edification and education and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to be individual investment advice. If you need, want, or seek individual investment advice, please reach out to me, Don or Michael, or, or contact your own advisor. But don't just act on anything we say on this show, although there are some actual timely ideas, but you got to know what you're doing. You can't be a rookie trying to do things. That's right. All right. So we got the, the uh, disclosures out of the Standard way. Standard stuff. Yes. Now, now there, I, I, I came across this article two days ago. Now, this was written like two days ago before you know, the market was selling off, before this huge update today. Sure. CPI came in a little bit soft. Like in well, not soft, less high. It's it, inflation is easing just a bit. It's still high, but it's coming down. Sure. And so that really sparked a rally with the markets. But it's ten risk that could sink the market next year. Okay. Sounds sounds oh, daunting. I mean, you can think of anything, right? Cold winter exacerbates the EU energy crisis, meaning a cold, extra cold winter makes their problem even that much worse, right? Kind of related, and they say that's a high probability, very high impact. Um, Extreme, number two, extreme weather adds to commodity price spikes and worsening global food insecurity. High probability, high impact. These are going in order, one, two, three. Direct conflict erupts between China and Taiwan. 
forcing U.S. to intervene. Moderate probability, very high impact. Yes, that that would be a high impact. Okay. High global inflation fuels social unrest. Isn't that already going on? Uh, Very high probability, moderate impact. I think we're already seeing the impact this year of what inflation does. It's insidious to both bonds and stocks, but I digress. Five, a new corona variant or another infectious disease send global economy back into recession. Moderate probability, very high impact. Interstate cyber war cripples state infrastructure in major economies. Moderate probability, very high impact. And I want to explain that real quick. They say Russia invasion of Ukraine, surrounding and tensions with Taiwan, likelihood of state-on-state cyber attacks. It says the, the high cost of direct military conflict and the and and coupled with the difficulty of identifying the perpetrators makes cyber attacks a little bit for military escalation easier. You start with the cyber attacks, and then if that doesn't work, well, then you just roll out the tanks, right? Okay, for seven, further deterioration in ties between the West and China forces full decoupling of global economy. Moderate probability, high impact. Here's the one that I thought was surprising at number eight. Because I would have had this at number one or two. Yeah. Aggressive monetary tightening leads to global recession. Number eight? Moderate probability. Uh, it's high probability and we're there. Yeah. And moderate impact. Well, the bonds are down 30%. Stocks, even after today, are still down around 20%, hovering at a bear market. And uh, so I think that's kind of already happened. That's already in the cards. But I digress. Nine, China's zero COVID policy creates economic rippling effect, low probability, high impact. And Russia-Ukraine conflict turns into global war. Very low probability, very high impact. So those are the things that are on the downside, right? Now, what if, what if, what if, well, I'll talk about the Fed in a minute because I got another thing about the Fed, but those are all the things that could happen badly. Yeah. And how would you know? Well. Price is truth, and the markets will start to deteriorate before that happened, kind of like they did this year with the inflation. Now, so along those lines, the next next article I found is, it says the Fed's silver lining for retirement portfolios, mm. right? And if you want any, any of these articles, they're in the show notes. And this thing was, I'm sorry, a pile of trash. Because what it's basically saying is, uh, now that bonds have gotten crushed, yeah. bond opportunities and the in the and and the markets could start looking attractive, and it may be the time to be able to buy some bonds for income and in retirement. While I agree with that second part, the problem is where were you telling people to sell bonds nine months ago or a year ago before they lost thirty percent? Because now they're down thirty, so they got to make back thirty before they're even even. And if we do start to see a big rally. I think stocks are going to do better than bonds, so you'd probably want to have stocks anyway. But I just thought it was funny because they're talking about the silver lining in the Fed tightening and and causing um, these problems. Now, the reason I want to talk about this is because there's also another possibility. You've got to be flexible in your mind, and you've got to realize that Main Street and Wall Street don't hit at the same time. In other words, the timing is a little bit different. So everybody's always looking at the fundamentals. And that's the other mailbag email I just thought of, Don, I was going to bring up, and I forgot, a, a good listener sent us, a Mark, sent us an article talking about uh, these shortages and, and, and things going on in the Fed. And the problem is, what happens if they 
create a a, a good a, a smooth landing. That's what they're open now. They've never. I, I don't think they will because they haven't done it before, and they've they've usually missed the mark and they're late in the game. But that is another possibility. The point being is you've got to be uh, supple in your mind. You've got to be flexible to think that either way could happen. The market could have a rip snort and rally from here, and this could be day one. Literally, the Nasdaq's up what on almost six percent, five five and a half in one day. Yeah, the, the S and P and Dow are up like three. I mean, it's it's a big big day in the markets because that CPI number. Now the last two days were ugly, or yesterday was ugly. So it's been very very volatile, and it's very. This is a very this is probably the most difficult market I've I've seen mm. now. Which leads me to my next thing that kind of dovetails this all together. And Don has talked about this numerous times. Don, look at the, all the highlighting. I do it like you, man. I highlight everything. Uh, defining the seat. That's lovely. <laughs> so, you know that if you highlight everything, it's like highlighting nothing? Yeah, but I know, but I can see it better because it's yellow. It pops. Okay. <laughs> Especially when I'm trying to do the show and look at the camera while I'm trying to read. Um, Anyway, I need one of those Marty Feldman eyes where I can kind of look to the right while I'm looking straight ahead at the camera. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so seven Marty Feldman eyes. That's an old oh one. That's, it, his name is Marty Feldman. You're right. right. Yeah, okay. Young Frankenstein. So yeah, yeah. seven. Remember that song? He's got Marty Feldman eyes. That's pre weird weird owl. Oh, that that was pretty funny. Um, now, so seven things you need to know about sequence of returns, and we've talked about this. So. This guy gives an example, and we've talked about this. When you get, you know, you go to your advisor, and he talks about you're in it for the long term, and we're going to buy, we're going to invest, and you're going to put in money, you're going to put in $1,000 every month or every couple weeks, and it's from 25 to 65, and at the end of the uh, thing, you've got a million-dollar pot of gold, right? Sure. The problem is, and, and you assume an annualized 7 or 8% return. But let me give you an example this guy very succinctly does because the order of the returns is very important mm -hmm. and how much you draw down. So he says, look, if you, if you take a million dollars, you both start with a million dollars and you kind of follow the 4% uh, withdrawal rule, which now they're saying is people can't do because they don't have enough money now. But, um, and you have a 3% annual inflation and both investors enjoy a 7% average return with 30-year retirement. Okay, A has positive returns early on, meaning he starts compounding early on. Okay, and then he has poor returns right toward the end. And B has poor returns early on, but he has good returns at the end. Investor B actually ends up with two point five million when he die. He still has money when he's dead and compounding. He never cannibalized. Mm. And the other guy dies. Essentially, spending all his money, spending all down his money, and why is that? Because if you compound, let's just make eight percent the number, or all right, we'll take seven percent. Their example: seven percent on ten thousand dollars is seven hundred dollars. Big deal. Seven percent on a million dollars is seventy thousand dollars. So all the compounding, all the total gains you have in that illustration where they make seven percent every year is literally compounded in the last four to five years of retirement. All eighty percent of all your gains. So if you don't, so you got to be really careful the closer you get to retirement, and you got to make sure you you handle drawdown risk. If you make bad returns when you only got ten thousand, it doesn't matter. You want the big compounding to happen at the end. Okay. So he's talking about the power of sequence is is important. Um, withdraw, and then he says, and then once you draw down, if you pull money out while you're down, then when it does pop up, you don't get the compounding effect, 
because you took money out or if you get scared and sell defensively. Okay. He said, portfolio tweaks can help. Here was one of his solutions, Don. I thought this was interesting. He said, you could have short, you could have midterm investment grade bonds to kind of smooth out the volatility of the portfolio. By the way, they're down about 15% this year today. Um, and then you could have small cap stocks that are, have a higher return, a higher beta for the equity portion, right? So that you can ride out the, the downturns and you can still get the big gains. Nowhere does it talk about in this returns. And then he says, and if you get caught in a big drawdown at the end, unfortunately, the option is working longer and spending less. Nowhere in this article does it talk about minimizing drawdown. So if the market goes down 30 and you can go down 10 and compound from 90% versus 70%, you, you alleviate that sequence of returns problem. You don't take the big, huge haircut. And that is a, that's, a, that's a huge, that's a big deal. And, 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 and nobody really talks about that. They're all talking about buy and hold, but how do you do the asset allocation and change? That's what really is difficult. So in any event, um, very quickly. Let me, let me give you a, 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 number, a number example to follow up on what you're at. If you're one year before retirement, say you're at 100,000, you get, uh, or two years before retirement, you get a 50% gain. Now you have 150,000. The next year you get a 50% loss. You're not back to 100,000. You're all the way down to 75,000. And that is why when you're, just like Dan said, when your nest egg is the largest, those, those losses hit you by far the hardest, as opposed to when you know you're just starting out. Those math up and math down, the same number does not put you at the same result. Up 50, then down 50 does not leave you even. Exactly. And compounding works both ways. That's what, that's a, that's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a fan. It's like down 50 and up 50. Yeah. Up, ex- down 50 and up 50 be the same place. It, it depends. It depends. It absolutely depends on the order. That's why it is so important to try to manage that. Okay. All right. So we've talked about that a lot before and you can read the articles in the, in the, in the show notes. That's if right, you want to scroll get, down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but it is tougher now. Um, very quickly, I'm just going to get this out of the way. The gift and estate tax uh, changes. So this next year in 2023, you can give 17000 to anybody you want. Yeah. So a husband and wife can give one child 17000 times two, 34000 17 each. And if you like me, you can even give me 17000 if you really like me. Now, the estate exemption is now adjusted for inflation at $12.92 million. And if you both have your bypass clause, the bu- where you both get your uh, exemption, then you get basically almost twenty, uh, a little almost twenty five million, right? Mm. But you can't have a honeydew, a, 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 a loving will where everything is passed to the spouse. You want to have a a a, a, cl- a codicil in your will that has the ability, or living tr- that has the ability to set up a bypass trust to set aside some of your the the. the first spouse to die, uh, to put some money in that trust. And it's available for the wealth, uh, health maintenance support for the surviving spouse. But at least you get both of those. If you just have a loving will where the spouse inherits everything outright, then you only get that 12.9 million all at once. Now, this doesn't affect most of you people listening. But here's the thing. In 2026, on January 1st, if they don't make the tracks Trump tax cuts permanent, 
then it's going to revert back to the old five million adjusted for inflation. So roughly five point nine six million dollars probably mm. per spouse. Still a lot of money, but that's going to start catching a few more people. So if you do have a decent sized estate where you're eight, ten, twelve million now, you need to start doing some planning before that twenty twenty six. Yeah, and that's pretty complicated. I don't want to bog down the show on that. I'm very fluent in estate planning. If you got any questions, you can reach out and and, and talk to me. All right. We're going to talk about these wash sales one more time, one last time, because I saw another article about wash sales, because they're trying to tell advisors, again, these are advisor articles that are sent to me every day, mm-hmm. talking, telling me how to comfort the client and, 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 and right. console the how client. To, how, to, how to finesse the situation. Because most, most people, if you're not at Revere, not Revere clients, but most clients of, of advisors literally are down 25%. Right. Even with a bunch of bonds. Bonds yeah. are down more than stocks. Navigating these troubled waters. Yeah. yeah. So tax loss harvesting is made easier with ETFs, but beware the uh, tax uh, wash rules. So if I, and we've talked about the wash rules before. So if you got a question, you can call me. But if you're trying to book a loss to use against gains or to create a loss carry forward for future gains, if you buy that same security, or close to identical security within 30 days, you can't use that wash. You can't use that loss. It's called a wash sale until you unwind that same position again. So it'll be netted against that same position. You don't use it. You lose it. You just defer it now. But what you got to realize is you can't sell the Vanguard uh, VINIX, the Vanguard S&P fund, Mm -hmm. and then buy the Fidelity S&P fund. The IRS will say, those are identical because they're the S&P 500 index. Okay. However, with a lot of indexes, even sector index, so you can have sectors where they'll have slightly different holdings, top 10 holdings. So there's large cap ETFs that are, will almost track the S&P, but it's not technically an S&P index. So there's a way to swap out and essentially leave your risk position the same if you need to do that. At Revere, we book losses very quickly and early. We keep them to single digit, so we don't have to do a lot of uh, har- loss harvesting toward the end of the year. But I'm very fluent. I've got an accounting background. I'm very good at loss harvesting. If you need help with that, because you should do that if you're somewhere else and you've got big losses, there is no reason not to book a loss. The only reason you wouldn't book a loss is if you think that security is going to go up more than 20% long-term capital gains rate in the next 30 days. Mm. Guess what? Even Revere's not that good. We don't buy stuff that goes up 20% in a month. I mean, occasionally it happens, but that's more luck. We don't do it consistently. Or as you know, you're going to get to use that loss uh, uh, for sure against gains when you have them. So anyway, that's those two things are, are, are out of the way. So let's get straight to the markets because mm. these markets are absolutely like a roller coaster, manic, bipolar, up and down. And it's hard to make, and it's wearing investors out. It's absolutely wearing investors out. So Don, so I want to talk to, so it really doesn't matter what the reason for yesterday's big sell-off was. Personally, I think it's Bitcoin blowing up, mm. right? And that's what's so funny about the uh, Fidelity timing. That article came out a couple of days ago that they're going to do free Bitcoin trades, of course, with a 1% fee. So if, if you buy $10,000, they're, they're getting what, a uh, hundred bucks, right? <laughs> That's your trade cost. If it's a hundred thousand dollars, they're getting a thousand bucks. Man, yeah. that's kind of steep. Not ideal. But now, now with uh, crypto crashing, I wonder if they're going to pull that. We'll have to see. So, Don, what is going on with the markets, and what is 
happening from yesterday to today? Well, before we before we get into the markets, one of the coolest sayings that I that I uh, read about uh, this crypto situation, and I, I don't want to gloss over because I do think we need to explain this. Uh, the sell-offs prior to the, the two days prior, Tuesday and Wednesday, were because a crypto exchange, FTX, they have some sort of incestuous relationship with this uh, other trading firm. And they've and all of the they have their own token to the value of that crash, but basically all crypto coins went down. Bitcoin went down, of course, not as hard because that is the big bellwether, the, the strongest. Yeah, the bellwether. That, that's the but blue the chip. Phrase, that's the blue chip. That's the blue chip. Crypto. Yeah, that's the equivalent. <laughs> yeah, the phrase "not your keys, not your cheese." You know what that means, Dan? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Apparently I didn't, I didn't either, but apparently it's a big saying in the crypto world. If you go on one of these Uh, crypto exchanges, FTX is the one that's having the problem or Robinhood, uh, and you just click buy crypto and it shows in your account that you hold a certain number of shares of Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever, they're not yours. They're being held by the exchange for you and if the exchange goes belly up you're losing your crypto unless you actually have a key to the crypto that allows you to go on take it off and put it in what they call cold storage in other words it's offline with your key that's your cheese if you've got the keys you've got the cheese if you've just got a certain number of shares at ftx or at Robinhood. And you can you 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 just all they are is numbers on a screen. That's not actually your crypto with a key dedicated to you. Wow. So you can look for a nice block of cheese, I guess, for the for the show uh, notes, Zach. <laughs> yeah, but absolutely. The reason why this came up is because Dave Portnoy, who says Baron of Bitcoin in his uh, bio, Baron of Bitcoin, asked really what is one of the most basic questions, which is, wait a minute. Uh, I own crypto at FTX. Are you telling me it's not safe? And when everybody that's educated about crypto stopped laughing at them, they -hmm. explained the saying, not my keys, not my cheese. Do you have a key to the crypto, Dave? No, it's just stored in my account at FTX. Well, you don't have those, those Bitcoin shares then. FTX has them. FTX has the keys to that crypto, or maybe they don't have the keys and they're just reflecting the number of shares that they supposedly hold as the custodian uh, for all of their clients. So it, it, it's possible, and, and I don't fully understand, there's a, a, a there's a non-US FTX and then there's a US FTX, and they were saying if it was on the US exchange, you should be safe, they're allowing withdrawals. It was the, the worldwide exchange that they froze the withdrawals and that started the whole meltdown, but um anytime you see the word liquidity event tied to any exchange and granted crypto the total market cap of all the coins is less than a trillion dollars so it's not massive but there's a lot of leverage involved (laughs) holding of that trillion dollars so that when that initially uh came out that binance was try to bail them out that was the first leg down uh on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, Binance said, "Yeah, we looked under the under the hood of this, and we're we're backing off," which implied that they were using customer funds 
to try to uh, shore up their liquidity, which I guess it was fine for John Corzine. He's still walking the streets, right? But it's not fine if you're not politically connected. So, so it's Sam like it's like knew. it's it's like Social Security and IOUs. It's just they it's it's gone. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So Sam Bankman Fried, or affectionately known as SBF, uh, and CZ, who is a, a, a Chinese guy who is the, the the Binance owner. These guys were kind of uh, rivals in the in the crypto world and the crypto exchange world. And uh, when Binance offered to back them and then backed out, that's what I said caused the second leg down uh, Wednesday. But then Thursday, uh, CPI came in lighter than expected, and the markets uh, immediately gapped up three percent and are holding the gains and actually expanding the gains. Right now, the S and P is up four point two, the Nasdaq is up five point seven. Uh, so very clear change in, and, and volume is huge too. So, uh, very clear change in character for the markets today. The issue is we're right up into this 3,900 resistance area. So ideally for the markets, we go sideways for a little bit and then try to make a move higher into the 200 day moving average, which is now only 4% away from uh from where the s p is trading and the dow firmly above the 200 day moving average now uh mid caps above the 200 day moving average small caps approaching the 200 day moving average nasdaq 100 is struggling to get above the 50 day actually by the book since you're in a bear market and this is the weakest exchange this is a reasonable area to short the nasdaq 100 the qqq with a stop uh, a little bit above where we're trading right now. It's sitting right on the 50 average sign of weakness uh, would be uh, a, a reason for a low risk short on this because really the play the whole way down during this um, bear market has been to short into resistance uh, and take profits on the way down. We've done that a little bit, but not, uh, and have been slightly profitable on that, but not to the degree because that's just not, what we how we operate we don't uh pile money into shorts in um uh, in the indexes or in individual stocks but uh very critical for the nasdaq 100 100 to get above 280 and, and then there's a big fibonacci level about 286 which is the half of the entire covid uh give back so that's what we're looking at on the markets here. And, and then very clearly, this is, you could consider this a subsequent follow through day. Uh, we by a thread with the big negative reversal last week uh, and, but didn't undercut. We undercut on the NASDAQ 100, the follow through day, but we didn't on the S&P 500. So uh, changing character uh, into resistance for the NASDAQ 100 needs to get above it. It's been the weakest indexes. It's, uh, the strongest index today, Dow above the 200, um, S&P 500 approaching the 200, back above the 50 and the 21. But there's been several one-day wonders in this rally, uh, and then it's pulled back. But it's been two steps up, one step back, two steps up, one step back, one step up, two and a half steps back in the most recent one. Uh, but now getting back to those levels where we were two weeks ago right at that 3,900 area. And it's it's critical that we hold that and in fact surpass it and get into the 4,000 and then 
up into the 4100 area, which is where the declining 200-day moving averages. That's this big black line. And you know, one of the benefits of the approach that we use with getting out of the way of the 200-day moving average is the 200-day moving average is now uh, almost 10% below where it rolled over. So that all those stats that I've generated, that is one of them on average where where you can where you can after a bear market. Uh, if you get it out of the way of the severe bears, you usually get back in uh, 10 to 12% below where it topped. So this is fitting with all. All right. Um, so I, I wanted to make a couple points. Number one, when he was talking about the Bitcoin, whether you, you know, if you own the keys, you own the cheese, you know, they give you a long, long code mm-hmm. okay, to, to make it very secure, right? On the blockchain. And that's how you get in. And if you leave, if you lose that, that key, you can't get in your Bitcoin. You can't, yeah. in fact, there was some guy that had 30 or $40 million and of worth of Bitcoin and couldn't find the key. And he thought he threw it out. And there were people searching in the uh, garbage dumps, I think over in California, looking all over, trying to find this key because it's $30 million key, but it's similar to ETFs and ETNs, exchange traded notes. So when ETF, not all, but most ETFs, exchange traded funds like mutual funds own the underlying securities. So if you're an S&P fund, you own S&P stocks. Now you could own the S&P futures because that's cheaper, a little cheaper to do, and you could track it that way. But the whole point is, if something happens to that ETF and it gets in trouble, you own a pro rata share of the underlying securities. You own the stocks. On an exchange traded note, it's like Credit Suisse or 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 you know some some big bank, and they're going to promise you it's a it's a promissory note that they're going to give you the return of the index or the inverse return if you're short of a shorty inverse ETN. But you don't actually own any of the underlying securities, the stocks or the futures or the bonds. So if that company, that bank gets in trouble, you could lose your whole investment. That's what Lehman, what happened with Lehman. People had these ETNs with Lehman's. And when Lehman went under in 2008, those people were completely wiped out and they lost everything. So what Don is saying is these people were borrowing their, their, their customer accounts and they had it all together and they were really just crediting the people's accounts in their accounts. And they really didn't own the underlying Bitcoin. They put, they, they, you know, you, you own them kind of in, in theory, but you don't really have them. It's kind of like if you own physical gold. If I've got the ounces of gold in my hand or in my safe or in some security deposit place, but I own the identifiable bars or coins, I own that gold. If I own a, pay, a certificate saying that you owe me 100 ounces of gold whenever I want, which a lot of gold places do, then you don't really have that gold. If they get in trouble, in other words, your, 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 your what do you call it? Uh, guarantee is only as good as the backer, right? Mm. So that, that, that exchange, that Bitcoin exchange was the backer of these people. And these people were thinking they were buying Bitcoin and actually owned the Bitcoin themselves. And I don't think they really had, they didn't own the cheese. They didn't have the cheese anyway. Right. But why, so why does that matter? Now it's kind of funny. Don says it's only, uh, it's under a trillion dollars. It's really not that big. Remember like a, um, a, a decade ago, a trillion dollars was a massive amount of money. You know, 30 years ago, a billion dollars was huge. 
it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and compounding. But Don's right. When people have leverage, so if you've got a, 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 bill, a trillion dollar market and these guys have levered up three, four times, so now it's four, five, six trillion dollars and they're getting margin calls and their Bitcoin is going down. So it's not worth. So if they start selling Bitcoin to cover the other Bitcoin, it, it causes a selling effect, right? But they also have to sell their stocks and bonds to cover the margin call on the Bitcoin. So it puts pressure on the other, on the other sectors. That's why, that's why you got to pay a lot of attention. Anyway, so the CPI number came out today and it really helped the overall markets. So now, by the way, I forgot to tell you folks, we are doing this show early. We're doing it today. We had some conflicts on, on Friday. Don's going to a big, uh, important seminar over the weekend, a uh, learning seminar uh, on economics and markets. And um, I've, I've got a lot of conflicts tomorrow. So we're doing this show today early. It's about uh, 1230 on Eastern uh, or Central time, uh, about 1230. And um, so, uh, Friday is going to be really important to see if we can hold these gains and have a follow-through day after today. Because it, it, yesterday at the close, it really looked like we were going to head for another leg down and we were going to hit the third leg down. And now things have completely changed. You know, that old saying, what a difference a day makes, it has made a big, big difference. Mm. Now, and that's why you got to stay supple in your mind. you got to be ready to pivot either way. Because if you get too firmly entrenched in your belief system, the market could sell off another 15%. Bob's your uncle, and now you're underwater again. So that's why it's really important. All right. Uh, uh, Don, what other things in the markets are we going to go to Ted and, and, and uh, Michael? Did Ted, did, did Ted make it? Ted's here. Ted's here. Yeah. Uh, Michael, Michael, is there something you want to talk about today? Um, I guess just while we're on the on the topic of uh, crypto and uh, the the markets, um, I mean FTX. What, what's crazy is that this uh, exchange just a few days ago was worth thirty two billion dollars, and overnight it went to zero. And um, they were offering it for free to uh, to Binance um, for one dollar, basically just to take it over, so that they could um, offer these withdrawals um, to have the liquidity to to um, provide their clients with um, the ability to withdraw their crypto assets. So it's, um, it's a big problem. Um, there is likely a lot of contagion that, that um, we haven't seen yet. Um, I mean, they're, they're not the first to blow up. They're the biggest to blow up so far, but uh, with all the leverage and the, um, the incest and, and the uh, connections between all of these different funds, um, wouldn't be surprised to see um, some more damage um, down the road. Another thing to look at is um, Tether, USDT. Um, one of the biggest holders of Tether was um, FTX. So if they're liquidating their positions, um, Tether, which is also involved in basically, it's the stable coin that's used in, in um, a lot of crypto transactions. And if, if Tether's one-to-one, uh, Peg with the U.S. dollar breaks, um, <laughs> that could that could cause some serious serious problems um, in crypto. So um, I would yeah I, I would pay very close attention to that. And then also just in terms of the markets, um, we are seeing a huge rally today um, based on that um, weaker than expected CPI data. Um, but just a, a few things to to keep in mind is that on on um, 
on Tuesday, the, the put to call ratio on the market uh, was 1.3. So meaning there were, um, there were 30% more um, puts than, than calls. Um, the, the ratio for puts was, was higher than calls. So um, positioning was very bearish. Um, People are hedging. For a yeah. lot of funds. People are hedging. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now we're seeing the biggest drop um, in two-year yield since 2008. So a lot of volatility in the uh, bond market. Um, the Goldman Sachs most shorted basket of, uh, of stocks is, is um, overall is up almost 10%. So it, it definitely um, appears to be a, a short squeeze. Um, doesn't mean that the rally can't continue and it's not the start of a new uptrend, but um, usually you get these vicious rallies in bear markets. Um, and with the volume today and the, um, the hedges, a lot of those being closed or either the shorts being squeezed, um, we have seen these moves um, fade almost the next day once um, people get out of the way. So um, look out for that. Um, be careful. I wouldn't be chasing at this point if you're not involved in the market. Um, and if you are, um, we're not out of the woods yet. So so I wouldn't celebrate too soon and um, just uh, just stay um, cautious and, and safe and um, don't, yeah, don't, don't make yeah, any yeah, yeah. crazy stay, portfolio stay, decisions at this point. Yeah, stay, stay, stay with your discipline. Now, the one thing I would like to comment on because I don't want it to go uh, unnoticed. He yeah. said that finance was offered that exchange for $1. $1. Basically, it's free. Yeah. Now, and they said no. Why would you do that if you're offered something for free if it had value? The answer is if they're buying the company, see, for a dollar, if you buy the actual company intact, you don't buy the assets from the company. You buy the company. You inherit their liabilities. That tells me right there, Sam Blankman fight Friedman, FBF, is SBF, is just trying to get out. <laughs> yeah, say that fast. It's just trying to get out from under it. He's right. like, well, he went from, you know, a billionaire to, um, um, you know, we'll work for food. Not a billionaire. And, yeah, yeah, not a We'll work for food like in two days. Yeah. And, now, and now he's wanting to b get out so he doesn't owe people millions of dollars right so he is and and that's really the big tell that's how you know this thing is far from over when they offered to sell themselves for free and there were no takers mm. that's a huge he, red flag he, all right ted i saw okay, uh, a, i saw a post last night on on sbf and people were applauding him for apologizing and and what he apologized for he said i made an error in judgment using client accounts to uh, fund other ventures. Now, is that an error in judgment that just flat out breaking the law or really are no laws in crypto land? Obviously, you can't do that in uh, something that's registered with the SEC. And I've seen a lot of people wanting to blame Gary Gensler for not taking more action to regulate these exchanges. But uh, technically, the first thing I, I thought of was, yeah, it's not an error in judgment. You you broke the law, but maybe he didn't break the law. Maybe there are no laws. He, when it goof, and he followed uh, up uh, crypto exchanges. Yeah, he followed up with a tweet saying something about I just was I saw it right before I came in here. He was kind of clarifying and saying. I wasn't making any legal or something pronouncements. I was just trying to explain. He actually tried to soften up and walk back what he said because 
I think he's worried that he might have stepped in it. I mean, you don't. Yeah. That was a, a dumb thing to put in writing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> if if you're using clients' accounts for any other venture without the client's knowledge, that's normally that's normally a bad thing. I mean, <laughs> there's there's no two ways about it. And whether it's regulated or not, I don't know how you actually take client assets and divert it to another cause without some kind of formal yeah, something. So, you know, you got to have something in writing. I mean, you know, I mean, does that mean if I've got an account at Frost Bank and, and, and Pat, for, you know, one of the Frost family, oh, well, we took some of your money and um, we used it for something else. You didn't really need that, right. did you? They don't need that. That's why I use Frost. They're very conservative. That's right. Anyway, um, it's, it is, this, this is not over with the crypto. It's, it's going to get very interesting over the next week or two. And again, we don't have exposure to crypto. When we ever, we've dabbled in it a couple times, but not the individual coins. We use an ETF because mm. exchange traded fund that owns a crypto because you can just get in and out. But the market, the, the charts just look so bad. We, we haven't done any. And, and that's why you got to follow it because it will, it will absolutely um, 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 lead. It, 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 the, the technicals will lead the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So you'll get clues that things are going on. Ted, what are you looking at? Um, well, so I had a segment plan and it's like a pretty quick one. And I just wanted to talk about how I trade as a full-time student. And that might give you guys like an idea how you can trade or pay attention to the markets and still follow the markets as like a full-time worker. Um, so I think the most important thing is this mindset shift that you cannot catch everything that you have planned the night before, or even the morning before, because you're just not constantly watching the tick every single minute of the day. So you have to forgive yourself if you miss something that you plan and just move on because there will be other opportunities. And then going on, I'm just gonna talk about like how I execute. And so the first thing I do is I set alerts for my planned trades. And then if I get the opportunity during the day, I'll execute manually. And two other ways you can also execute is buy stops and buy stop limits. And so what a buy stop is, you set a certain price where if that price like exceeds that price, it'll execute a market order for you. And then a buy stop limit is the same thing as a buy stop, but you can set a limit up to a certain point where um, it will not trigger above. So let's say I have a buy stop um, at 40 bucks on stock X with a limit up to 41. If the stock gapped up to 43, it won't execute that price. And then finally with selling, I use mechanical stops because I can't watch their, like all the time during the day. And I'd rather be fish hooked out than Finding, my, finding a position underwater. And then also selling it to strength. I just check my phone when, whenever I can and just see what's, what's going on with my positions. <laughs> Dad, I could see you in class up in the back corner of the lecture hall and the, and the uh, uh, professor's talking about biology or, or amoeba or something and you're on your phone with your thicker swim app <laughs> looking on there. T- t- yeah. t- t- we know you're not listening to, you're right. probably wearing sunglasses so he can't see you looking down. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, did you say amoeba? <laughs> amoeba. Would you rather have paramecium? <laughs> paramecium? Oh, okay. Boy, okay. All right. Now, I, I did forget this. I did want to read a couple things out of the mailbag. And, folks, we try to cover stuff both good and bad in the mailbag. If you want to send us some love the mailbag. Tough, yeah. yeah, tough questions, hard things, whatever. Uh, this is actually a really warm fuzzy. I like this. Um, um, this is from a client, and this guy actually 
manages or managed his own money for 20, 30 years. He had a kind of a ETF sector rotation strategy and was fairly active. And he found us, but he was he was uh, going to uh, go off in the sunset and retire. And his wife and him wanted to travel and stuff. And he found us and he actually brought uh, him and a few of his friends and family over. And so it, uh, let me see, um, where was it? Oh, it says subject. What my wife just said, exclamation point, says, Dan and Don, as my wife and I were discussing the topic of the day, she said, you know, I really like Revere Asset Management's daily podcast because when they have a bad day, they have to immediately confess it. It keeps them humble. They can't hide behind a quarterly statement. Wow, she gets it. You have created a new model of transparency that I hope will revolutionize an industry that definitely needs a revolution. You guys have set the bar very high for the industry. Be prepared to one day have the spotlight put on you. Keep refining your business so that you're ready to take a in massive amounts of assets. We are growing. Thank you. Make, make sure you have the back office ready for it. We're hiring. Uh, do everything you can to keep things simple and automate everything you possibly can. And when things don't go your way, Don, and you're feeling frustrated like you were the past week with Powell's mess of confusion, and you and you have to do yet another podcast to report the stops were hit. Know that I and others like me are grateful uh, to you for telling it like it is. That's Don's quote. If you're not, if you haven't watched the 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 daily market uh, uh, podcast, uh, market insights. That is what a true fiduciary does, and it is painful at times. I so respect and honor you on those days. I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. I love what you guys are doing, and I can't thank you enough. Well, I'm not going to say his wife's name. Wife and I uh, and all of our family and friends are so glad to be hitched to your wagon. Uh, said, thank you for the not, uh, kind words. We'll call him Frank. Thank you. That's not. Thank you for the kind words, Frank. This is a very difficult market, and why we, and while we didn't go unscathed, the pain was far less than buy and hold mantra and investors in general. Many investors ours included because they didn't get a 30% drawdown. They're down single digit or 10%. They're not down 25 or 30, right? Many investors don't realize that bonds are down more than the S&P this year between negative 25 and 30% and without a sell discipline. Investors are down anywhere from 20 to 40% on average rather than high single digits. Thanks and have a great weekend. That was one. That's kind. And thank you, Frank. I almost said his name. Okay. Um, now, this is from another, uh, he's actually a client, and uh, uh, another client sent him this article, and it's actually a good article about the energy crisis. It was by Time Magazine. It says, think the energy crisis is bad? Wait until next year. Now, that is a little bit of clickbait, and it talks about the upcoming shortages and all that kind of stuff. And remember, Media and articles are meant to either get you a jubilation or they're supposed to scare you to death. Yeah. Okay. It's either hot or cold. There is no, they don't want lukewarm. They want, they want a, a visceral emotion one way or the other. They either want FOMO, fear of missing out, or what was your thing called, Don? A fear of, fear of going Vogel. down. Vogel. Fear of going lower. <laughs> fear of going lower. Okay. Vogel. So anyway. He said, are we ready for this? Thank you. We'll use Frank again. Are we ready for this? Thank you, Frank. I said, Frank, we have done multiple cut. And he's meaning, are you ready for this energy thing, right? Yeah. I said, Frank, 
We have done multiple podcast segments over the past few months, quote, before this article, explaining the energy sectors, oil, nat gas, coal, nuclear, and even rare earth metals, not directly related, along with the supply-demand issues. There will be shortages that will provide opportunities. That said, and this is key, folks, that said, the charts will be the best leading indicator for timeliness. While fundamentals are important, they often lag price, which has already moved. A perfect example is when commodity sector had a huge move before inflation got hot. And then when the, uh, when the numbers bore out the magnitude, commodities actually were selling off. Hmm. Okay, Poss- Possibly the ex- expectation of forcing the Fed's hand. Uh, so, so now I'm switching. Possibly an expectation of forcing the Fed's hand and raising rates. In other words, the, the big, big money is saying, wow, look at this high inflation. Now we can sell our commodities. Now it's been vindicated. And now the Fed's going to have to start raising rates. So they're looking ahead. Yeah. So the economic and fundamentals won't only, always line up with the technicals and will lag it. To your point directly, we are always attempting to be ready for anything that comes our way. Okay, all so right. that's that's really what you got to do because remember, lumber went on a huge tear, and all of a sudden, when everybody started talking about the big tear, lumber was on, and there wasn't enough wood, and housing was on fire, and everything. Lumber literally sold off like sixty, seventy percent in the next couple months. Right. Uh, but it, after a big run up, so that's why it's very, very important, and pr- we always say that price is truth. All right, Don. Any any words of wisdom before we wrap up? What how what you, what you're going to treating like tomorrow Friday? And and uh, what you're gonna be looking in heading into the weekend? Uh, the the key level now is that 3900, uh, which was resistance, and we're trying to break through it. So pullbacks intraday. The most recent one that we had, we used uh, that opportunity to buy some SSO above. We got as high as uh, 3927, pulled back to 3900, and bounced. As long as that 3900 holds on the downside, or uh, just a bit below that, percent below that, uh, this uh, this rally's intact, and uh, we'll be looking for the best opportunities. We added to some first solar today, FSLR, one of the leading solar stocks. Uh, and uh, I mentioned in the video last night that a bunch of stocks were bouncing at the 21-day uh, exponential moving average. It's not uh, doesn't exactly give you a great opportunity to get in on low risk when you wake up or when the 930 bell rings and they're all gapping up 5%, that's not really low risk entry anymore. But um, we always have uh, our eye out for low risk entries and uh, the behavior of the indices levels, as everybody knows from paying attention to the trend gauge uh, is what will guide us uh, down the road. Okay, so folks, let me ask you a question, a couple questions. Number one, is your advisor a fiduciary with no conflicts of interest? But it's not just enough to be a fiduciary. You got to be a fiduciary with a sell discipline because if they just buy a bunch of stocks and stick you in and hold and then try to hold your hand when it goes down 30%, it really doesn't matter whether they're a buy and hold pie chart broker that's paid on commission or a fiduciary that is just paid differently based on the assets under management. You still lost 30 The strategy was flawed. So really the strategy is really the most important. But the question I really have is, when you call your advisor, 
Does he say, well, the S&P is trying to break through 3,900. That's a key level. We need to break above and hold that as support. Or do you hear, well, we're in it for the long haul. Just buy and hold. The market always comes back. Or my personal favorite, it's not a loss until you sell it. What? Folks, it's a loss the moment that security went down. It's always about the net liquidating value of your portfolio. What is your portfolio value? And even with today's big, big update, the markets are still in bear market territory, maybe just breaking underneath that 20% on the S&P. So they may be just coming out of a bear, and it's done that a couple times this year already. So folks, listen, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor, and they can join us here for our Red Meat show about everything stocks and markets and, 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 and the real way that professionals manage money. Um, you, can, you can just go to revereasset.com, go to that top right-hand corner button, hit the subscribe button, and we do a daily market insight video, short 10, 15-minute market video. Every day the market is open. Every We tell you what we're doing. We tell you ex- stocks we're picking. We tell you about the first we go over the overall big picture, the markets, yeah. the sectors, and then the individual stocks, and then some moves we make. Okay. And then you also will get this podcast in your inbox every Saturday morning. Although today it will probably go out early. Don't you think we ought to send it out? Go ahead and send it out, Don. Sure. All right. So this this is going to be our early edition, your money radio. But normally it comes out on Saturday morning. And if you go to YouTube and just Search for Revere Asset and hit the subscribe button. It'll be delivered to your end. You'll get an alert as soon as Zach posts this, which is generally about an hour after we record it. So it'll be out in about an hour from now uh, if you're set up on YouTube. And you can email any of us at dan at revereasset.com, don at revereasset.com, Ted or Michael at revereasset.com. And you can always, always call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. We'll talk to you next week on Your Money. Because it's not how much you make in the markets, it's how much of that you can keep. Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. 
If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.